San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning, San Antonio! Welcome in to your hangover without the headache. I am James Pledger. He is Jack Thompson. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. Soon to be 103.3 FM starting February 1st. Also, you can listen online at sasportstar.com or follow us on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Join in along there. Drop in the comments. Hang along with the show. Jack, what's happening, my man? Not a whole lot, my guy. Not a whole lot. Just powering through. Yeah, you had a late night, huh? Yeah, late night. Went to the Spurs game. Then after the Spurs game? Went to a bar. (laughs) A couple more beers there. (laughs) So, you you feeling it today? Yeah, Yeah, feeling it. (laughs) Feeling it. Yep. So, I went to the Spurs game last week. I got to watch them beat a shorthanded Clippers team. Nice. Nice. It was fun. It was good times. Um, you were down there courtside, near mm-hmm. courtside as well. Yep. Got to see Michelle Beadle. Yep. Shout out Michelle Beadle. Got to meet her. That was pretty awesome. A little starstruck, I gotta say. Yeah. My dad was like, did you tell her who you were? I was like, I couldn't even speak to her. <laughs> what do you mean? Did I tell her who I was? Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> couldn't even get out any words. I co-host the Saturday morning hangover in the post. He was like, did you at least tell her like that you're my son? I was like, what? Why am I going to tell someone that for the first time when I meet them? Like, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't? You just don't start like dropping names and stuff when you meet somebody uber famous? No. Hoping that they know who you're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I didn't even know that you knew her, first of all. And second of all, I was just trying to like be normal and (laughs) not put my foot in my mouth and say something stupid i mean here's the fun thing too famous people meet a lot of people in the media yeah right yeah so what's the feeling like if you're like oh you might know my dad rob thompson she's like who exactly (laughs) exactly so that's always fun but i mean good game last night Mm -hmm. got to see Kyrie. Yeah, that was cool. I I had never seen Kyrie play. Brooklyn fans don't get to see him right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Shout out. Shout out Kyrie for giving us the work in the fourth quarter. And James Harden. I kept hearing all this talk that he was going to get shut down by the Spurs defenders. I don't know. I never heard any of that. But (laughs) I don't know who we have on the team that can shut that guy down. He goes off for a triple double. Yep. 30, what, 37? Yeah, like 37, 11, and 10 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> he gave us the work. He dunked all over Jakob Pertl. Yeah, I saw that. And that was that after. A, that wasn't a good look for Jakob. No, it wasn't. And we, <laughs> like, right before then, uh, Daron Sharp tried to dunk on Jakob Pertl, and he's, he's, Jakob sent that one back. Mm-hmm. And James Harden said, let me give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> dunked all over him because Harden's not the guy you assume and trust me as a Rockets fan he's not the guy you assume to just like challenge at the rim and if he yeah 
But if he goes for it, that man can get up, and he's so strong and powerful, it's hard to send him send him back. It's also NFL Divisional Round Weekend. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Cowboys are not playing in Divisional Round Weekend. Nope. We are I haven't not. gotten to talk to you since last week because I told you, this game scared me, and it should scare a lot of Cowboy fans. Scared they me. were hot. It scared me. <laughs> John Dyer wants to know if you're wearing a onesie. No, man. <laughs> it's just no, a hoodie. A it's just a Wish North it was Face a hoodie. <laughs> but it, it, all the things that we thought mm-hmm. about the Cowboys came to fruition. It was the penalties. Mm-hmm. It was the inconsistencies with the offense. Mm-hmm. And it was the inability for the Cowboys to really shut down the run. Mm-hmm. And every every instance that worried me came to fruition, including a slow start. So, you look at the Cowboys' season in total, and the signs were kind of all there. This is who they were, right? Yeah. They were 6-0 and against the NFC East. Mm-hmm. They had how many 50-burgers against the division? Three, two, three. They had, they have one 40, against Washington. They have one against Washington. One, one against, against the backups in Philly. They put up another forty something in their first game against Philly. Did they have a big game against the Giants? I can't remember. I don't think it was particularly huge. It was probably like thirty something. But everybody keeps talking about you know number one offense in the NFL, yeah. number one scoring offense mm-hmm. in the NFL, and one of the things that, with this number one scoring offense that we had concerns of were. Red zone issues. Yep, we've been talking about it for weeks. I'm, I'm, like all of the signs were there throughout the entirety of the season. They were six and zero against the NFC East. They were six and six against the rest of the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's not a great look. It's not. And this was your year, and everything seemed to fall apart after Dak's injury. Because Dak did look sharp early. Dak mm-hmm. looked sharp. Yeah. Oh, in the beginning of the season, yeah, he was looking like a MVP candidate. But in that San Francisco game, he wasn't one hopping it to receiver. He was two hopping it to receivers. Yeah. He was, like he was off. Yeah. And it he was, was very not off. good. No. Classic Cowboys come back in the fourth quarter, try to make something out of nothing. When Dak was playing his best and the Cowboys were rolling, and we did, and including myself, have them in this maybe one of the top three teams in the NFL. Like, remember seven yeah. and one? Mm-hmm. Like, even I was like, all right, this team's Legit. really, really, really good. Yeah, seemed that way. One thing they were doing during that time was running the football. Mm-hmm. In recent weeks, we learned that Zeke was playing through a torn PCL, which not completely sure why you're trying to play through that injury in the first place. You look at the the Cowboys run game, we all we, we said for most of the second half of the season, Pollard's the better back. Pollard's the better back. Why are they continuing to force Zeke, right? But then it became, it's not even forcing Zeke or splitting the touches with Pollard. It was, 
they were running the ball like 11 to 12 times in a game. Mm. So you start to wonder, where does that come from? Does that come from Kellen Moore? Does that come from Mike McCarthy? Because though I like to point out the issues that McCarthy's had and how they're the exact same now as they were when he was in Green Bay. He hasn't evolved. He hasn't gotten better at clock management. He hasn't gotten better at in-game situations. He hasn't gotten better at committing to the run or making an adjustment. These are the reasons that Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And at least with LaFleur, he's gotten to three straight NFC title games since then. That's more than he did with McCarthy. Like, McCarthy wasted a good portion of Aaron Rodgers' prime. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Are the Cowboys wasting the prime of where it's Dak Prescott? What's Zeke Elliott's prime is right now? The end of Tyron Smith, the the good years of Zach Martin, Micah Parsons now. Like, these are questions that need to be answered because you're about to lose one, if not both, of your coordinators, mm, I would agree. think. Yeah. And a decision would have to be made on Jerry Jones. James Conner says on our YouTube live feed, Cowboys shouldn't have even been in the wild card round. Well, 12 wins is kind of hard to keep people out. Yeah. When you when you play against a... Look, as a Texans fan, I played against a bad NFC, uh, AFC South for a long time. Sometimes the Texans shouldn't have been in a wild card round either, but they were. Uh, you can't go forward with McCarthy. It's not like the roster's going to get better. That from John Dyer, who's... Got Noah's a Cowboy fan, has Jimmy G as his profile pick. I'm guessing he lost a bet during that game on Sunday. Probably. <laughs> um, What did you make of the last play? Because that's obvious, obviously been what's fallen under a bunch of scrutiny. The final play, the run to set up, to spike, to try and get a shot from 25 yards out into the end zone, right? Uh, It was just... It seemed like no timeouts, 14 seconds, ball in the middle of the field. It seemed, I mean, the play itself, not a terrible idea from Dak, but he has to go down a couple seconds earlier. There wasn't no timeouts, obviously. We had how much time was on the clock? 14 seconds. 14 seconds, 14 14 no seconds. timeouts. Everyone's been saying you need at least 16, 17 seconds to run a play like that. By the way, McCarthy himself said 16 in an interview with Robin Rudy mm-hmm. earlier this week on is like 16 seconds. That's kind of been the barometer in super quick time. Or I forget what term he used. It's yeah, like yeah. you can go down to 13. I'm like, if time's imperative and you can't stop the clock, why are you trying to milk extra seconds out of it? Yeah. Like, that that seems flawed where 11 people on offense, 11 people on defense, and five officials all have to be absolutely perfect at doing something in the moment, knowing something's coming, by the way, to be able to react qu- quick enough to do it. Like, when you have to rely on that many moving parts... You're setting yourself up for failure. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. 
if that play had counted and they got the snap off, the Cowboys weren't technically set. That should have been a false start or an illegal shift, which should have garnered a flag, which also should have garnered a 10-second runoff. Yes. I mean... Nothing it, was... It's so many things you're bringing into yeah. going wrong when you can take a couple of shots, yeah. maybe throw it to the middle of the field and let them try to get out of bounds. But like, There's a lot of things you can do to get the ball set mm-hmm. and possibly have another shot. And why are you trying to spike it? You got the snap off. If you just would have, you know, yeah. Dan Marino fake spiked it towards the end zone... You might have at least gotten a play in. Like yeah. by running it, you don't you don't do anything but bring holds into account mm-hmm. for the most part. And fourteen penalties. You got off to a yeah. insanely slow start. You didn't even start playing well until late into the third, fourth quarter after mm-hmm. they lost Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. Yeah. Like the Cowboy fans thinking they were robbed. In this game? We were not robbed. They almost gave it up to us. We were not robbed. They went full Jimmy G. Jimmy G went full Jimmy yeah. G almost. Yeah, exactly. But you were not robbed. We were not robbed by any stretch. That was their game the whole entire time. They controlled all the momentum. They were making all the plays. We were shooting ourselves in the foot every time we had the ball. I think I read that on offense and defense, we had eight penalties that either negated or gave them a first down. Yes. Eight penalties. And you can't, when they Sim- saw it on replay, you can't dispute a single one of them. No. It's not like it was a ticky-tack pers- uh, per- uh, pass interference or anything like that. Literally, we had Tristan Hill nearly took a, no, a ne- defender's Neville helmet Gallimore. off. Ne- Neville Gallimore. Yeah. Nearly took a defender's yeah, helmet off. The biggest stop of the whole game. We had enough time to go down and at least have more time for a shot to win it. Randy Gregory jumped on the back of a pulling offensive lineman to keep him from getting to the second level. Mm-hmm. Like, I have never seen so much defensive holding in my life in a I game. I didn't even know that was a call. <laughs> we must have been doing that all season, and the 49ers were, like, told the refs, like, watch for that. There's a possibility, but there... To I me, had not seen that call. To me, all it is season. more about the 49ers scheme. Oh, yeah. And they, if you know the scheme, it's it's a very tough one to defend yeah. because they cut block you, they open up backside cuts. Like, it's Gary Kubiak, it is Kyle Shanahan, it is uh, uh, LaFleur. Like, it is that zone running scheme that a lot of of people use uh mike shanahan kind of invented it in denver gary kubiak brought it to houston kyle shanahan kind of learned it from his dad and gary and took it to atlanta and washington and now san francisco lafleur has been very involved with him mcveigh like this is part of the zone blocking scheme and what they do is they use smaller more athletic offensive linemen to Mm -hmm. get them out in space to the second level and allow running backs to kind of find the hole. It's not so much about opening a specific hole. It's about letting them use their vision and ability to cut back, which Elijah Mitchell does very well, by the way, Mm -hmm. and Debo Samuel. (laughs) And their wide receiver. But 
it is it is an offense that is predicated on blocking to a space, opening up a backside cut lane, mm-hmm. and offensive linemen being able to pull and get to the second level as well yep. because they're smaller and more athletic. Mm-hmm. And defenses that aren't used to playing against an offense like that, once the those quicker offensive linemen start getting to the second level, the they don't know how to stop it. And so sometimes they just try and stop someone the way Randy Gregory did by jumping on their back to keep them from opening up another huge hole. So they're getting gashed. It's it's a difficult scheme if you're not used to playing against it. Yeah. I, I look at I look at and we'll get into it in a sec. Who does this really fall on? Because there are a lot of issues, and a lot of people had a lot of issues with it all week long. He's Jack Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover. Keep it locked right here on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Oh, me. When you look around last week, every team you looked at, the stars of the team showed up and played. You 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 can't win in this game if your stars don't show up and play. That Prescott, 69 passer rating. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 31 rushing yards. C.D. Lamb, 21 yards in the reception. One reception for 21 yards. My bishop and I always say this. Whenever you have a disorder, it's going to bring about a dysfunction. And they had a disorder in that game Sunday. They had the star player playing like role player. And they tried to make a few role players, Schultz and Wilson, play like stars. That was a disorder that brought about a dysfunction and that's why they got their butts sitting at home on this couch. That is the great Michael Irvin as he puts the blame squarely on the stars of the Dallas Cowboys on the Stacking the Box podcast. Michael Irvin on Stacking the Box saying, Dak, CD, Zeke, you didn't show up. That's on you. The stars showed up for our other teams. Mm Mm-hmm. The star Tom Brady and Mike Evans showed out when they played Philadelphia. Yep. You look at uh, Stafford and Cup; they showed out. Von Miller, too. Odell. Yeah, I mean he's not wrong. Tyreek, Pat, I don't Josh know if, Allen, I, Stephon Diggs. I don't know if I put blame on C.D. Lamb, maybe some on Zeke, but I put a lot of blame on Kellen Moore, man. I mean it's his job to find the scheme and figure out how to get those guys open. You know, that's... It's funny you bring up Kellen Moore's name, who is interviewing for what seems like... Not nearly as high on him as everybody else's. A lot of... Dan Quinn is obviously getting the most buzz and getting a whole lot of looks, Mm -hmm. which he should be. Yeah. Kellen Moore is getting the second most amount. Like, he is interviewing for the same job and every job that Dan Quinn isn't. Interviewing yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Um, but Troy Aikman, and I'm trying to figure out where Troy Aikman is placing the blame on this. If this is going on McCarthy, Moore, 
or Dak because Troy Aikman on thirteen ten and ninety six seven the ticket in Dallas. He said that you've got to be better at getting the ball to your playmakers. City Lamb, what did he have? One catch in the game? Yep. Is, that, yeah. is that right? So I, I watched that game because I'm getting ready for San Francisco this week. So I've studied the tape. And I was watching it really more from San Francisco's defensive perspective. But I also was keeping an eye on what Dallas was doing offensively. And, yeah, they San Francisco rushed four guys for the most part. They blitzed occasionally. But they're a four-man rush football team. But a lot of times when you say that, then you think, oh, well, they're playing coverage. Well, they did. They mixed in some coverage, but there was a lot of single coverage on CeeDee Lamb. And I would tell you, as I said in our game last week at halftime, when they couldn't get the ball to Devontae Smith, when the Eagles couldn't, if, if, if it was back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares, but what I see around the leagues, not just Dallas, it was in Philadelphia, I've seen it with a lot of teams, that a lot of these offenses, they want to scheme things. The the coordinators just, it's all about scheme. Rather than this corner is playing soft, he's scared to death, just run the route tree. Just run a comeback. Run a, run a dig route. Run a curl. Run anything. And you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. And Irvin would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb in that game. So I just don't quite understand that. It's interesting. I was at Madden's uh, memorial service yesterday in, in Oakland and uh, Peyton Manning was there and we got to talking about the game and I was having this conversation with him and, and, and he agreed that, you know, more and more you just see that teams, it, it, the game's not that difficult. If, if I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. You know, he's going to win most of the time, and that's what they do in Green Bay with Devontae Adams. Troy Aikman on 13-10 and 96-7 the ticket in Dallas. It sounds like he's putting this on either Dak or Kellen. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the scheme. He's talking about doing this. He's talking about doing that. But remember, early in the season, a lot of... Why aren't they running the ball more? Why? Well, remember, McCarthy would come out and say, well, we had, you know, 12 run run pass options that were basically checked out of in the game. Or not checked out, but, like, it's a run pass option, and yeah. he chose pass, and we're looking at positive plays, mm-hmm. and we're still, like, downfield blocking, so it counts as a run in our book or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I don't buy it because if it's incomplete, the clock stops, if you run and you pick up only a yard or no yards, the clock still runs. Like there's, there's an effect to running the football. Yeah. And that effect takes its toll later in the game. I have a question about Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator, obviously, because they seem to get pass happy at times, but so did Mike McCarthy and green Bay. Yeah. So to me, this keeps falling back all the way on McCarthy because clock management issues. They rose their head in the Philly game in the first time at the end of half, end of game situation against uh, the Chargers. Like These weren't new issues that we were having when it came to end of game, end of half, time crucial management 
Mike McCarthy's had issues with that all season long, dating back to his time. And that's what I keep going back to Green Bay because, to me, that matters. And Jane Slater was on the Blitz this week with Jason and Joe Mm -hmm. and said Mike McCarthy, she didn't believe he was going to be fired. But it wouldn't surprise her because of what he was doing in the media all week. When Jason Garrett and these Cowboys lost in the playoffs to the Rams, inconsolable because he felt like they had the personnel and weren't able to get the job done. And he once again said, we've got the personnel. We should be getting this done. And the fact that Mike felt like he kept selling himself today or was it yesterday, kept selling himself, I can win championships, I know how to do this. I thought that was interesting. And I just think you have to ask yourself, I know that Stephen loves Mike McCarthy. I mean, he tells me that every time I see him. A gentle reminder, Jane, Mike's our guy. And Jerry has said it to me. But I know that Jerry has talked about in recent years the window's closing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't have time to have a bad time. That was a bad time. I, kicked, I was there at the game, the atmosphere, the letdown, to have the number one ranked offense in the league all year and to have that sort of subpar performance in front of a team that squeaked into the playoffs, uh, a team that didn't have Nick Bosa or Fred Warner in the fourth quarter. It was curious to me. And, in fact, my colleagues said, why would you run a quarterback draw with 14 seconds to go? Everyone knows you don't do that. And so if you brought Mike McCarthy in, and he's the one that when I asked earlier this year, you know, why is Kellen calling the plays? Well, he said, if you call it, you install it. But if that offense felt like it was off in recent weeks, or especially at the half, why are you not grabbing the call sheet and saying, I've got this? I hear that from Jane Slater. I knew Jerry Jones canceled his hit on 105.3 The Fan early this Mm -hmm. week because he was at John Madden's memorial. Yeah. There were a lot of people at that memorial. His private plane has a phone on it, I believe. Yeah. He's done things as long as it's not actually during the memorial service when he was... Like, I could have seen him doing things, but then I heard him on 105.3 The Fan Friday, finally, where he came on, on KNC Masterpiece, and he was asked specifically if Mike McCarthy Mm -hmm. was going to be the head coach of the Cowboys in 2022. Jerry Jones did not say yes. Nope. I'm not going to get into any conversations that I've had with anybody uh, relative to... uh, 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 anything to do with staff. I understand the interest in it, uh, but there's nothing compelling me. I've got uh, everyone under contract that I want to have under contract, and, and uh, so uh, that's where we are. Only at the extent that some of these other clubs under our rules have a right to talk to somebody do I even have to address that. Uh, you spend a lot of time. Now, let me be real clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pet peeves I have is that I don't like this, well, we've got to work on this in the off season. We've got to work on this. 
uh, I don't go for that. I've been trying to push that. Uh, I want those things recognized and addressed after we play Tampa, after the first game, or after we play the sixth game. I don't want to wait until we're sitting here uh, with no season left to address these things we're doing or not doing. And so uh, all of that's in the mix here and, and a part of what I do. But uh, that's the way I do, as you know, the uh, ultimate decision on these coaches or in anywhere around here is uh, uh, one that I have to make. And so the uh, guy that you got to be uh, not got to be, you don't have to, that you're the toughest on should be the one in the mirror. He's the one that, uh, uh, that has the uh, ultimate responsibility. And consequently, I get to operate at that guy's timeline. And that guy's a, a displaying of information. And I'm not trying to be anyway. It's just not in our best interest to talk about where we are with members of the staff right now. We've got 29 coaches, uh, almost three coaches for every person on the field. Uh, so I've got a lot to think about regarding these coaches. That was... Probably listening to it real time, listening to it back every time, when he talks about cleaning up the issues, like if it's happening week one, we should clean it up week one. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't still be an issue week six, and we shouldn't be talking about it fixing it after the season's over. Yeah. That was huge to me. That tells me that he is also aware that this was an issue that all they did was talk about cleaning up that they never cleaned up. He also mentioned the fact that they have 29 coaches, and then he did the math for you and said that is one coach for every three players. That's bad. That's a bad sound Mm -hmm. in terms of him being happy with his coaching staff. I mean, yeah, he's. I wouldn't be happy either. Jerry knows, like, he's getting at the end of his Cowboys reign. Mm-hmm. This was the best roster we've had, and probably since Troy and Michael Irvin and all them. So, and multiple times in this interview, Jerry said, "We have the talent. Mm-hmm. If the talent's there, then who does that fall on?" Coaching. Absolutely the coaching. We'll talk about what's going to happen with this coaching staff coming up next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're also on the go at sasportstar.com. Don't forget, you can also reach out to us. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33 on Twitter. I am at I am Pledger. SASportsStar at SASportsStar. Or you can just comment along on our Facebook and YouTube pages, much the way many have right here. As Vince Trevino says, the NFL needs to intervene and take over the Cowboys. Enough is enough of Jerry. Look, that's never going to happen. Nope. I understand that you're upset. 
But much like me and, and the Texans with Cal McNair, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm going to have to weather the storm and hope they do something right. Uh, Jonathan C. wants to know what the Cowboys' odds are that they re-sign Schultz now that he's due for a big payday. The Cowboys are currently $22 million over the salary cap with 21 impending free agents. They need to find ways to open up cap space. Mari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, Lyle Collins, people that you've paid that aren't performing up to the amount that they're being paid. So some tough decisions, I do believe, will be made. Some restructures will happen. They're going to play gymnastics with the salary cap. They always do. They always find a way to get back under the cap. But Dak Prescott's eating up a big old chunk of your salary cap now. Mm-hmm. That's something you didn't have before. So now all those other big deals that you did, they have a much bigger effect. Now, as it pertains to the Dallas Cowboys, we've been talking a lot. McCarthy, should he, should he not go? Jack, you are the Cowboys fan. I've been screaming from a mountaintop that I don't believe he's the guy. Yeah. What do you think about your head coach? I I mean I certainly don't think he's the guy either. Uh he's shown us that he can't manage the team properly, especially when it comes to in-game time management for sure. He relies extremely heavily on his uh coordinators. Uh and I mean the only coach on the staff that I'm all in for is Dan Quinn. I don't think Kellen Moore is quite the wonderkins that everyone thinks that he is. He gets really stale. Uh, but Mike McCarthy, uh, I don't know, man. I think everything's got to be perfect for this guy. And r- the Cowboys, as we are right now, <laughs> we are far from perfect. So mm-hmm. I just certainly don't think that Mike's the guy. We never seemed uh, fully prepared for you know big games. We go into all the big games this year and just look out of whack, not sharp, not primed to go in and take care of business. So, I mean, the proof is in it right there. Of course, it's it's hard to... 12 and 6. Yeah. Won the NFCs. Hard to fire a coach, and it's really his first year. I mean, last season is kind of a wash. When Is with... it? Because a lot of coaches had to deal with last season, not just McCarthy. I know, but not a lot of coaches got... What I'm saying is no no one really got let go because of what happened last season, is what I'm saying. So it's hard to put any blame on him for last season. But this year, he goes 12-6. and six, But in the moments that mattered, no one showed up. So, I mean, I would be... I would not be surprised if they let him go, but also... I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. John Dyer on our Facebook Live says, Let him go. All caps. Rudolph Renee. Mike McCarthy sounds like a very, very smart coach with a lot of experience. He just makes bad decisions. Our team is a lot better than it was with Garrett, but I think we need the next guy. We uh, got a call on the Kielbasa Bacon phone line, 656-ESPN, 656-3776, if you want to be a part of the show, like Drew in the Woodlands. Drew, what's going on, my man? I mean, I'm not a Cowboy fan. You know this by far. I'm not even a Texans fan. That was a, that was a, 
I was an Oilers fan, so I'm in limbo. I'm a, you know, I, <laughs> I, I get I, it. I used to live in, in San Antonio, and I am aware what side the 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 bread, the sports bread, is buttered on in Bear County. It is and will always be a Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, above the Spurs, above the, you know, you got Jerry. <laughs> he's selling his A off. I mean, he's selling his A for next season. You guys are gonna pile in those vans. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna go on your pilgrimage up to Jerry World. <laughs> sit in the in, in the in the in the in that special seating in the beer whatever the outside thing Charles calls your rights you know maybe next year it'll be I don't know maybe it'll be it'll be a, a Cardinal fan that you guys beat up I don't know but you can you you can't say, start screaming for Mike McCarthy's head uh, I think he won a Super Bowl you know he's got a very good winning record where you allow Jerry to go nine years with Garrett. Howdy doody? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's not like the Spurs where you guys are getting Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. You guys got people. You know, Romo, the Romo era had several good teams. I mean, you're already dismissing him, right? Remember, everybody, oh, F Romo, F Romo. You know, you, this is like the first time. The guy broke his leg. You had COVID. Come on, dude. He's just coming back. You know, sure, it's embarrassing to have the number one offense for the whole season and look like an in baby coach. But come on, baby steps, guys. You can't tear it all down. Tear it all down. WWE reference there. Tear it. Anyhow, dude, look, Pop <laughs> has got an all-star and can't get in it and saying, you know, he can't be an all-star. Meanwhile, you know, back in the 80s, Alvin Robinson was second in voting three consecutive years to Magic Johnson, and that's how he got on the team. What's happened in the 80s? Why don't you like your team now? It's going away. 9,000 people in an 18,000 thing. Wait a minute. I'm sure if Jerry allowed a cowboy to make a special appearance, there might be a little bit of uptick. The next sellout for the Spurs will be March 7th when they face the Lakers. We all know it. We know what size. <laughs> The bread is buttered on. You guys are all cowboy fans. That's why it's the number one topic today. It's like 700 miles nearly away. But come on, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's, I'm done. I appreciate it. Drew in the Woodlands. I honestly have upset. no idea what his point was or what he was really talking about. Here's the thing. <laughs> it is a Spurs town, but the Spurs are bad right now. Yeah. And... It is equally divisive there as to what you want to talk about, which is why we are eventually going to talk about that as well. That's why we have three hours on the radio yes. with one hour dedicated solely to basketball. Yep. So, yes, but right now the biggest topic in the world is the Dallas Cowboys, and it's not just us. You can look up at ESPN at any point over this past week, and they're talking about Mike McCarthy, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and the Cowboys faltering. Yep. I watch the get up and first take every morning. And they're both two hour shows and at least 30 to 45 minutes of every show this mm -hmm. week has been dedicated to the Cowboys. Here's the thing. And when it comes to Mike McCarthy, and this is why you can blame COVID, you can blame at some point. You can give him every excuse in the book, and you can keep him around for eight years like you did Jason Garrett. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I don't care. You can make every excuse 
or you can look at the excuses as a whole, which is what I do, and go, okay, this is what you did that led to your demise in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers covered up a whole bunch of warts for you. Yep. You lost Aaron Rodgers, that team crumbled like a like a house of cards. It just fell. Mike Tomlin didn't have Ben Roethlisberger last year. Still didn't have a losing record. This year, Ben Roethlisberger looks like the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger's past. Mm -hmm. Still made the playoffs this year. Mike Tomlin is a really good head coach that's going to have his team prepared to play, regardless. They're not going to beat themselves a lot of the times. Every game that the Cowboys felt like they went into, sans maybe week one against Tampa Bay, you probably, if you're picking teams just based on talent, Cowboys. Cowboys. Cowboys have the more talented roster. Cowboys have the more talented roster. Cowboys have the more talented roster. More talented players, more talented positions, everything. Everything they had was better than the team that they faced. But they kept losing, and they kept losing to teams outside of their division. Well, if it's not if they have the most talent, who does that fall who is that fall upon? If they're constantly getting off to slow starts, who does that fall on? If they are constantly mismanaging late game situations, who does that fall on? If they constantly have 14 penalties in a game multiple times throughout the season, who does that fall on? Is that on the players or is that on the coaching staff for not coaching them better and coaching? And here's the thing. If that player doesn't get it, sure, it's on the player. But at that point, when does the coach go, I, I, I can't live with you, Connor Williams. Mm -hmm. You're killing me. Flag machine. Been been talking about that all year. Like Freaking flag machine. Your bad outweighs the good. You're going to park your ass. Uh, yeah. Greg Popovich, mm -hmm. if somebody turns the ball over four times in a row down the court, will we see him again for the next week? Nope. Doghouse. That's what a good coach does. Yeah. He makes players accountable for their actions. Frank Vogel. Just benched Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook at the end of a close game because turned the ball over, wasn't playing defense. Sorry you're a star, but you gotta you gotta be out there, man. You gotta be engaged. Ability. Yep. Mike McCarthy has zero of it. You know how why I know this? Because in that postgame press conference, Dak Prescott, who is Mr. PR machine, mm -hmm. blamed the refs. Defensive players blamed the refs. Mike McCarthy himself blamed the refs. Soft. All that means is you are shifting blame away from yourself mm -hmm. to preserve your own job at that point because yep. you know that it is on you. Mm -hmm. Because that game was not about the refs. That game was like you said in your interviews this week. We came out flat, we came out nervous, we came out anxious. I don't think we shook it until the second half. The second half? I wouldn't even say the second half. I would say... Fourth quarter? Yeah, like, we didn't but wake up. Here's the issue. 
That's the problem. Mm -hmm. There's no accountability, nope. even with the head coach. It's not my fault. We did everything right. It's the refs. Yeah. Despite the fact that we didn't show up for the first two and a half to three quarters. Yep. Yeah, I don't. That's I, on the head coach. Absolutely. I don't know why it's so hard for him to just stand up there and say, you know what, we suck today, and that falls on me. I didn't get us prepared enough. Like, how's that? That makes you. That might save your job even more if you become accountable for your actions. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. The, all the deflecting, I hate it. I honestly hate it. So, we'll see, man. I honestly, I. I'm for the firing of McCarthy. I don't think he's the guy. I'm, he makes me think that Dak isn't the guy that can do it for us. Certainly, like, I... Kellen Moore, like, he's good. I don't think he's the guy. I wouldn't want him as my head coach. Certainly, I don't know why teams are so high on him. Sure, we have the highest scoring offense in the league, but that's because we put 150 points on three terrible teams. Like... Yeah. You take that away, look at what we did against the good teams. Like, look how much points we put up against the the playoff quality teams around the league, and that's mm -hmm. where you should really buy into how good Kellen Moore is. I just don't... The Cowboys are in purgatory right now, and between almost really good, not bad, but... And here's the other thing. Kellen Moore is in charge of the offense. We've mm -hmm. heard it from McCarthy. We've heard it from Jerry. We've heard it from Kellen himself. He calls the play. He installs the plays. He's in charge of the offense. Dan Quinn's in charge of the defense. Before that, Jim Tomsula and Mike Nolan were in charge of the defense. Yep. So Mike McCarthy's job is what? Just delegating. In-game management? Yeah. And he can't even really do that. <laughs> at some point, you have to look inwards, and you have to look at And that's why I like to look back. You can look back at a coach and see if they've learned from their mistakes. Clearly, Mike McCarthy has not. And I get it, because he comes on the radio, and he's charismatic, and he's open, and he's as honest as you're going to get from a coach when he talks with the media. Mm -hmm. Like, that's refreshing. And you want that. And he's he's a nice guy. David Culley was a nice guy. And three games into the season, I knew he wasn't the guy. And I'm okay with moving on after one season when you see constant mishaps week in and week out. The problem is, the Texans don't have the talent to make up for those mishaps. The Cowboys do, which is why you go 12-6. and six. Like, you can say that the, if Dak doesn't go sour and the kicker doesn't miss a few kicks, we're 14 to 15 wins probably this year. Sure. I say that about a lot of teams. <laughs> Here's the issue. It still doesn't change the fact that those issues that he is in charge of don't initially, they're going to come bite you at some point. At some point, the penalties were going to be an issue. You're not going to win a Super Bowl committing that many penalties. You're not going to win a Super Bowl being that poor at clock management. You have to clean up things and play to the best version of yourself. And we heard it after week one. We heard it after week six. We heard it after week 14. And we heard it after the playoff game. Now they're going to go work on it and try and clean up those penalties. Well, like Jerry said, 
Why didn't you clean them up after week one? Mm -hmm. That's an issue. As a coach, you make in-game adjustments. You you clean them up in the game, and you definitely clean them up week to week, and you don't let it become a systemic issue that plagues the entire season. That is a coaching issue. It is. Absolutely. Just saying. No, I 100% agree with you. Something's got to change, and it starts at the top with the head coach and trickles down from there. If I was the Cowboys, I'd hire Dan Quinn as the head coach right now. Rudolph Renee says, I misquote him. He is right. He said, would we still be talking about the same things with 14 or 15 wins? Probably. And you're right. Probably. We will. Because they were still there. It's an issue, and you have to fix that issue. Mm-hmm. That is just something that you have to do. He is Jack Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday morning hangover. Good morning, San Antonio, and welcome into hour number two of the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're also on the go at com. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by my man, Jack Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. You can also watch or comment along on our Facebook and YouTube live pages. <coughs> At SA Sports Star, subscribe, comments along on the show, like at the Drew Show. On our YouTube page says, replace Dak with Tom Brady, replace McCarthy with Bill Belichick, Tomlin, or Andy Reid, says Cowboy Fan. Yeah, why not? That'd be good. I'd be about it. <laughs> I mean, probably lead to a title, I would think, right? Yeah, certainly would hope so. <laughs> Rudolph Renee says McCarthy is like Tony Romo. is pretty good until it's his bad decisions. Well, I'm fine with it. Keep Mike McCarthy around as long as you want, Cowboy fan. I really don't care. I've seen enough. Mm-hmm. I would not want him as the head coach of my team, which has a head coaching op- opening right now. And there is a reason he was out of the league for a couple of years. And nobody else wanted him either. Yeah. So, that's my assessment of him. It might be wrong. He might be the greatest coach in in NFL history. Cowboy fans can keep him forever for all I care. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Have fun with that. Not not enjoying it. Um, But there is the possibility you could lose both coordinators. Kellen Moore is very, very... Very sought after, it feels like, from NFL circles with all the head coaching interviews he's had to do whether it's with the vikings or the jaguars or the broncos same goes for dan quinn he it seems like his name is in every single head coaching vacancy and when you turn around they not just bad but historically bad defense with very similar talent from the year before you had a micah parsons you're bringing in a J. Ron Carson and Keanu Neal, and there's not a whole lot that you do, but Jason made a point about Quinn yesterday. Yeah, it's the 19th-ranked defense, but they came all the way from 32nd, and it was 32nd with a bullet from 
the last 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> it was historically bad. So 19 a, a, it's a huge drop. And it's not just that. It's the turnovers. There were a ton of turnovers with this team this year. They forced turnovers. Mm-hmm. Which is something Cowboy fans have been wanting forever. Yeah. Like, interceptions. Come on. Well, you finally got a ton of them. A big reason for that, Trayvon Diggs. Yep. Trayvon Diggs got you double digits. 11. He also gave up over 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Got to tighten this coverage up for sure. But that's part of the interceptions. Mm-hmm. At least with him. Yeah, yeah. He, it's a gambler. He's going to see something, he's going to read, he's going to react, and a lot of time he's getting beaten over the top. Yep. Best way to do that is to put somebody over the top of him. But, of the coordinators, which is the least you would like to lose? Dan Quinn. Okay. Absolutely. Not the number one ranked offense. Yeah. I, I mean, sure, that has to do with Kellen Moore, but again, I think a lot of us being the number one ranked offense is because we just beat up on the trash teams. Like it's all fine and fun and dandy to have the number one great offense. Yeah, we were first team in NFL history with four thousand yard passer, thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver, ten inter- ten plus interceptions and ten plus sacks from a guy. But when it comes to the big games and you don't show up, those are pretty hollow numbers if you ask me. So Alright. So you would prefer to keep Dan Quinn. Yes. I don't think you will. No. He is being mentioned everywhere. The Giants, the Bears, the Vikings. Like, something tells me he's getting a job, and reports last stated that he was probably the favorite for Denver, which would be a really good job for him because that's a really good defense with a lot of really good pieces on offense. They're just missing one piece. Mm-hmm. How do you replace Dan Quinn without the defense backsliding? That is a very tough question. I mean, you got to bring in someone. What what they did was they brought in a very well-respected defensive coordinator who was a head coach that just got fired. Yeah. Mike Zimmer has ties to Dallas. Mm -hmm. He's a very respected defensive coordinator that just got fired as a head coach up in Minnesota. Yeah. I feel like if Mike Zimmer's not bad, I really, I mean, if the Raiders don't keep their head coach, their interim head coach, Rich Basaccia, uh, Basaccia, that's who I'm going for. Mm-hmm. That I'm looking for leaders of men out okay. here. That's what Dan Quinn is. You see him in practice, in the trenches, doing drills with his guy, mm-hmm. getting them pumped up firing them up, leading those guys. And that's what I see from Versace, man. I We just need we need guys like that on the Cowboys. And that is not what Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are. The reserve guys, especially Kellen Moore. I mean, we just need more guys that will pump up the team. Like That's what I see in Dan Quinn a lot. Of course, mm-hmm. he's a great coordinator. He made the defense a lot easier, a lot more just read and react rather than X's and O's. And of course you got I want to keep that around, but the biggest thing for me and the difference from last year to this year 
is just how he led his group. You just see it every week with his guys. He's out there. He's on the field. He's getting them pumped. And we need guys like that in our staff that'll help hold themselves accountable, hold their players accountable. And I just, I don't know what to think about McCarthy and Kellen Moore right now. Mm-hmm. 656 ESPN, 656 3776 on the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines. Who would you like to see the Cowboys bring in if indeed Dan Quinn is likely out the door and taking another job? Gino, he called in on the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines and on the, at the same token, he's got one of the names that I have on my list. Gino, who do you think they should bring in? I, I think Nick Vangio from the former Denver Broncos coach. I think another he's a great hell of a defensive coordinator. When he was at with Chicago, I mean, they had one of the better defenses that, mm-hmm. you know, if they had a better offense, they would have gone a lot further than they did in the playoffs a few years ago. So that's who I would like to see. Appreciate the phone call, Gino. Yeah. Vic, Vic Fangio is a great candidate. Rudy J is all over Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio's defense in Denver mm-hmm. these past few years has been really good. The yeah. offense just doesn't match. Yeah. So as a defensive coordinator, I am in on Vic Fangio. I am Here too. is another name that I will throw out for y'all. Wink Martindale. Just fired by the Baltimore Ravens yesterday afternoon. He has been in charge of great defenses down there in Baltimore and probably just needs a new location. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery. He's been in Baltimore for a long time. Mm -hmm. He has been a part of a defense. And, of course, for Harbaugh, somebody has to be the scapegoat at the end of the year, right? Yep. It's a team that underwhelmed, did not play up to expectations, and there's always going to be a a scapegoat at the end of the year. There's going to be a firing to save someone else's job. I think that was Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale, I'd love to see him in Houston. Are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's another possible head coaching candidate. Michael Jimenez is joining on our Facebook Live saying, pleasure skipping to conclusions. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I think... I'm pretty sure that one, if not both, of the coordinators are gone. There's too many interviews going around with too many head coaching vacancies. Yeah, I completely agree. They're involved in a lot, and you at least have to think about alternatives if that's the case, because if you're not doing your due diligence, you're then behind the curve and you're having to react. It's better to have a plan in place. Another name that you should look for in terms of on the defensive side of the ball with Quinn if he leaves. I do believe that there is some credibility to the fact that they might want to promote from within. And Joe Wett Jr., the secondary coach who's been with Dan Quinn while both in Atlanta and here and has ties with McCarthy to his time back in Green Bay, I think Joe Wett Jr. could be one of those lesser knowns, promote him from within, already knows McCarthy, familiar with them, would be doing the same thing basically Quinn is, probably not shaking the boat a whole lot in that instance because he was with them in Atlanta and he followed them to Dallas. 
Esteban Ramon on our Facebook Live says, You hear Raider players at the end of the season praising Rich. You heard Cowboys defensive players praise Quinn. I don't think you heard Cowboys players praise McCarthy, unless I'm wrong. I mean, Dak talked highly of, of McCarthy, but also what do you expect of a team that's 12-6? and six? Like, you're going to praise your head coach. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, there is a much deeper rooted issue. Oh yes. But for the most part, like you didn't hear players talk bad about John Gruden until he was already out the door. Most people, while still on the roster, mm-hmm. aren't going to say bad things about their head coach. Yeah, yeah. John Dyer on our Facebook Live says there are plenty of Quim replacement options. What about replacing Kellen? That's a great point because yes, I've gone through all the Quim replacement options. What do you do? If Kellen Moore leaves. That, therein lies the rub right there. I mean, of course. Because as much as you are unhappy with him. Yeah. What's the alternative? Exactly. It's Exactly. What it, Can you find a better replacement? And that's true. I mean, he's, that's, I don't know what OCs are going to be available right now. Mm-hmm. And of course, Kellen is a hot commodity. So obviously there's something there. It's just, I feel like he just gets stagnant with his play calls a lot, and I can't think of, no one comes to mind that maybe is an apt replacement off the mm-hmm. top of my head, but I, something, I don't know, something has to change, All right, and I don't know who that could be, but. All right, here's the question then. Do you look for the young up and coming? Mm-hmm. Is it somebody that's on the staff already, like a Doug Nussmeyer, Mm -hmm. that you're promoting from within, Rudolph Renee says, Cullen can take a hike. (laughs) I'm not far behind that. Or, do you look to get the best out of what looked like a young up-and-coming? Joe Brady was recently fired in Carolina. Last year, with Teddy Bridgewater, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and... DJ mm-hmm. Moore, he had three 1,000-yard receivers, a 1,000-yard rusher that wasn't Christian McCaffrey, and a 3,000-yard passer in Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. or a 4,000-yard I passer. I mean, look what he did with Mike Davis last year, and look what Mike Davis did this year in Atlanta. I bet he didn't have 600 yards rushing this year. So, <laughs> Joe Brady was fired this year by the Panthers mm-hmm. before the season ended. He is now a coaching free agent. Would you possibly look at the whiz kid as being the scapegoat for Matt rule and the Panthers on philosophical differences and maybe bring him in. I'm certainly not opposed. I mean, you look at what that core was not this year, but last year and Curtis Robbie and DJ looks a lot like Amari CD and CJ Gallup, whoever that third receiver is going to be. There's not a huge fall off on either side. And then you throw C-Mac is off, obviously... Zeke uh, and Pollard? Yeah. I mean, you combine... Yeah. Uh, P- Pollard can do a lot of those things that uh, C-Mac can do, so... And Dak is definitely a better quarterback than, than is Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves, so... Teddy, <laughs> Teddy Two Gloves can't hold Dak's job. No, exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I would certainly entertain Joe Brady. He had a tough goal of it this year. He thought uh, Sam Darnold was going to come in and stop seeing ghosts, but... That 
Obviously, it did not happen. Then they had to go do what they could with old man Cam Newton, and he, they still went to work with him. So, And John Dyer points out on our Facebook Live that Jerry could ask Sean Payton about Joe Brady. We know that Jerry still has the utmost respect for Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Joe Brady was on Sean Payton's staff before he went to become the passing game coordinator at LSU with Joe Burrow mm-hmm. before he got that job as the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. So... There is that there for them. So that is a possibility. Also, he said, if you're iffy on the head coach and you have two hot commodities in-house, you start kicking those tires behind the scenes. So many questions, man. Here's the thing, and this is what I do believe uh, will truly happen, possibly. Dan Quinn's going to get a job. Yeah. Dan Quinn, likely in Denver. I'm just going to call my shot. I think he goes to Denver. He ends up there, and all of a sudden, you probably promote Joe Witt Jr., kind of run the same scheme, familiarity with McCarthy, right? After that, Kellen Moore, you bring him in if you're Jerry and go, look, I'm going to make you the highest paid coordinator the same way I did Jason Garrett, and if we get off to a bad start, I'm going to write it in your contract because this is something I learned from Jane Slater this week. You can write it into the contract that if I fire this coach during the season, you're automatically promoted to head coach, and I don't have to. It kind of usurps the Rooney rule. You don't have to uh, do interviews. You don't have to do anything. You can just promote the next head coach, right? Mm -hmm. If that is truly a possibility... I could see them running it back with McCarthy, and if the issues persist, him being fired in season and them elevating Kellen Moore after having that clause in his contract and becoming the highest-paid coordinator. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that is probably where the Cowboys actually land when all the dust settles this offseason. How would you feel about that? I mean... Not terribly, I definitely would not be excited about it, but you're keeping, you know, the most important thing right now. Dak Prescott. Yeah, Dak Prescott. You got to get the right. See, the thing is about Dak is he's not, in my eyes, a born quarterback. Like, there are guys out there that are born quarterbacks. Yes. Dak has just always been the best athlete out of anyone he's been around, and they just gave him the ball, throw it, run it, do what you got to do to go get that win. And that's what he's been great at his whole career. But when things aren't going his way and he has to be that born quarterback. Has to be perfect. For yeah. Him. He needs that um, coordinator that can, you know, sort of soften that, get him in the right schemes, get the right guys open to where you can help Dak. And I just haven't seen a whole lot of that from what we have on our offensive end. So, ah. Uh, that sounds like your least favorite option of all of them. Yeah, just. <laughs> we need, I mean, Joe Brady, you got me thinking about Joe Brady because he did a lot with those three receivers. And he absolutely did. And he became the scapegoat for a Carolina team that, once again, had to deal with the Christian McCaffrey injury. You 
didn't have quarterbacks. You brought in Cam Newton off the graveyard at some point. Like, yeah, he became the scapegoat for a Carolina team that, you know, Matt Rule was trying to save his own job. Yeah, they lost the 1,000-yard rusher. They lost the 1,000-yard receiver. Mm -hmm. Curtis Samuel went up to Washington with Ron Rivera. Yeah, even they lost Teddy Two Gloves, even though, you know, he's, like we said, he's not anything special, but with, with Joe Brady, he looked pretty dang good, so. But the great gazoo known as Sam Darnold and much better. <laughs> no, definitely not, definitely not. But even in the beginning of the season when things were going right, Sam Darnold was looking pretty dang good. I mm-hmm. mean, he was, he was lighting it up, but then, you know, Things start to crumble. You lose C-Mac, offensive line troubles, defensive troubles. It all fell back on Sam Darnold, and he went back to his old self. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hold the team up. He was a complimentary piece that could keep the team going. But, yeah, Joe Brady, I kind of like the sound of that, man. He's You better I, hope Kellen gets a job then. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I fully I expect both Kellen and Dan Quinn to get a job, if I'm being honest. I a lot of teams, they're looking for that young up-and-comer. Kellen fits the bill on that. And then there are a lot of teams that want to be fully defensive-oriented. They want to be in the trenches. They want a guy, a leader of men. And that is, you know, Dan Quinn fits the bill exactly there. So I would 100% not be surprised if we lost both of them and we are just sitting in a corner with Mike McCarthy. Six, As our our sole coach, six five six ESPN six five six three seven seven six on the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines. What say you? Give us a call. Let us know. Also, you can comment along Facebook and YouTube, or you can tweet at us. I am at I am Pledger. He is at Jack underscore Thompson thirty three. This is the Saturday morning hangover. Jack, what do you want from the Spurs this season? Let me know what you want to see from the Spurs as this pick. season comes out. <laughs> We'll find out what we're doing with that top three pick then. Coming up next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. I feel so close to you right now. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. On the go, we're at com. You can also watch along with us. You'll see Jack Thompson over there on my right-hand side. You'll see me on the left-hand side of the screen. At our YouTube and Facebook feeds, just search San Antonio Sports Star and subscribe. Jack, you got a first-hand look at the Spurs last night. I what, did indeed. What, what are your takeaways from last night's game, other than DeJounte Murray's really good at playing basketball? Um, we don't have a lot of other guys that are really good at playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my takeaway. <laughs> All right, good, because I did a, a Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia last night. Mm-hmm. And I talked about what I want, and I gotta find another word for it, because tank isn't tank isn't what I mean when I say you know I want the Spurs to tank, and a lot of people take that with great ire. Yes, when I use the T word. Mm-hmm. 
So I gotta find a better word for it. Maybe you can help me spitball this. I don't care if they win or lose. I don't. Nope. That's not the important thing right now. What's important to me is the development of young guys. Josh Primo, first and foremost. Joe Wieskamp would be nice. Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell, which we've seen his development this year. Mm -hmm. Keldon Johnson, to an extent. And yeah. after that, we're starting to talk about vets Lonnie. the rest of the way. I'm out on Lonnie. You didn't pick up his option. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You didn't sign him to an extension. And once again, he is in another slump. Yeah, He is the same Lonnie that he's been for the last four years. Mm -hmm. That's not changing. That's not suddenly changing anymore. Yeah. So I, I look at February 10th, right? Mm -hmm. February the 10th. I'm circling it on my calendar. Every year we see the trade deadline come and go and no moves. Yep. This year we got to see Brent Ford get, get moved early. Juancho. It's another guy we're never going to see. He played last night. <laughs> like that pickup, honestly. I, I get it. He played two minutes. <laughs> He'd been here four days. I get it. It's it, His money comes off the books at the end of the year. Yeah. That's why they have him. Yeah, yeah. It, that's a salary cap move. I can see it from a mile away. He's the lesser of the Hernan Gomez's. Right? I guess. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking. I'd right? rather have him than his brother. Okay. Regardless, to me, he is a piece. Yeah. He is a piece that is not a part of the future. Oh, yeah. And if you're a piece that's not a part of the future, I need assets. Yeah. The Spurs have not been good at recouping assets for pieces that aren't a part of the future. DeMar DeRozan left. We end up with Thad Young. They did eventually get something for it, but that something is something that's still not being used. Yeah. I'd like to see Thad Young get moved. I'd like to see Lonnie Walker get moved. Because if you didn't resign him before, because we know how the Spurs work, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. History tells us they're going to resign him the way they did De Derek DeJounte. They're going to resign him going into the final year of his deal. They're going to, right before the season starts, some press release is going to drop out of nowhere that's like, hey, we just resigned, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's the way they've done it. Once they didn't do that, I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, they're going to make him prove it then because yeah. he's been inconsistent. Well, he's still been inconsistent. So at this point, move him. Get what you can for him. I love Lonnie the dude. Lonnie is a great dude. Mm -hmm. Is he part of the future of the Spurs? Doesn't seem like it. Then get something for him. Yeah, I'm all for that. Like I look at this roster up and down. Jakob Pertle signed what a three-year deal two years ago. Was Sounds it two years right. ago? Yeah. If Toronto's kicking the tires, see what I can get for him. Yeah. Because he's worth something. Yeah, oh he yeah. Can, he can net me something. And Juancho Hernan Gomez, who you can cut at the end of the year and save $2 million, you, you just got an extra big that you can put in with Eubank. Like, I get that Jakobs are only big, big. Yeah. But at the same time, that's something that can be addressed in the offseason as well. Like, 
I, if you're not a part of Devin, Keldon, Murray, basically, I'm open for business. Oh, yeah. And even then, depending what the offers are on the others, I might be in on that, too. I want to see Josh Primo play. My literal only untouchable is DeJounte at this point. But I'd love to see, and it's amazing where we were coming into the year versus where we are now. Yeah. But at the same time, what do you, what do you what are you trying to accomplish? Because you didn't build this team. This doesn't look like a team that's built to compete. Yeah, not yet. You are as close to bottom of the West as you are to tenth for the play-in. You're right in the middle. You're three games between both of them. Yeah, we're the third third worst team in the West right now. Mm-hmm. So, what's the play-in do for you? Literally nothing. Absolutely nothing. It, actually, it hurts you. I and I don't care that it hurts. Like it, that, Because if you win and you get into the play-in, I'm fine with that. No. It's the way that you win and get into the play-in. Like, if Josh Primo's playing and he starts playing out of his mind, like, I'm okay with that. If Josh, if Joe Wieskamp becomes kind of a spark plug off the bench and an, and an extra shooter that can fill in behind McDermott and give you some, some run and they play above their expectations, then I'm okay with going to the play-in in that, in that instance. I want the players to play more so than I want losses. If that makes sense. Like, I want to see what Josh Primo is. I want to see what Joe Wieskamp is. I want to see what Devontae Kaycock has to offer. I mean, Devontae's been playing very well down in Austin. Yeah. Zach Collins had yeah. 22 last night. Heck yeah. That's good news. I'd like to see him. Yeah. But at the same time, the head coach of the Austin Spurs said, it's day to day. We don't know how long he's going to be here. Yeah. It's refreshing to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be all season. Yeah. Could be not. But he would give you a big that can help also supplement the loss of a Yaka Pirtle if you trade him. Like, February 10th is huge to me. Oh, yeah. Like, you can run it through with what you're doing up until then, right? But at some point, you have to rip the Band-Aid off. And we've been prolonging ripping the Band-Aid off ever since Tim retired. Agreed. Got an old Band-Aid on. <laughs> it's a very old Band-Aid. It's very old. No, I completely agree. Uh, Do you? Because like, you don't feel like you're in on the, on the winning. Like I don't care about the wins and losses. I just want to see the development of my young guys the same way I'm seeing from Devin Vassell right now. It's not like I want the Spurs to just go out and lose every game. Like, of course. I'm not mad at them, though. Yeah. I'm not mad at losses. I just want development and competing. That's literally the sole thing I want. And last night, we competed all the way until the end of the fourth quarter. All the way until five minutes left in the fourth quarter. We were neck and neck with those guys. And when then, the stars took over. And then came Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And, like, we have no one to compete with that. So You've got one. But even that, I mean, that's MVP tier 
to all NBA third team tier. Like Fair. we have one of those guys, but it's not really the same. Like he can DeJounte can go out and close a game and like he got his second consecutive triple double last night. So I wanna ask you, what's a Lonnie Walker worth? Second. Basically, right? Yeah. Maybe another young struggling yeah, player that like, you can flip and yeah, someone see like if you him. can get something out of. Yeah, exactly. Someone that is got a lot of potential, but potentially not in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So he's worth something like that. So yeah, second to someone that's just not working out where they're at. I certainly still think Lonnie in the right place can be a really yes. good player. 15 point a night. I don't think this is the right place. No, I don't think it is. He needs to be a a, a dominant ball handler number two. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's not an off-ball player. So he needs, like, the 76ers. I thought 76ers, too. The Do you think Milwaukee could use one Milwaukee, of those? Milwaukee... Who else? The Nuggets. Teams like that that are short on guards have a lot of talent but won't have to lean on Lonnie to shoulder a lot of things. He just needs him to be him, basically. Yes, exactly. So I'm looking at, yes, send Lonnie to a potential contender that he can go in. and Lonzo Ball undergoing surgery up there in Chicago. Yeah. Just think he'd be a fit there behind DeMar. Certainly. Even with DeMar at the same time on the court. Yeah, certainly see that. There's a lot of spots where Lonnie could go and shine in his, you know, potential role. It's just we're so log jammed at that position that right now he's never going to get the minutes game in and game out to really build that uh, momentum as a player and get himself going. So Because we saw the Bryn deal, mm-hmm. and it's hard to figure out what the Brindill is, right? Yeah. Because is it they've changed their stripes a little bit and they're starting to realize we need to like get some something for these assets in return, the way they did Brent Forbes. Or were they just doing a former spur and a, a favorite dude of Pops a favor in getting him to a contender? Maybe a little of both. I mean, Bryn didn't really add a whole lot to this team. He was playing well, though. He was playing well. He was hitting shots. But, I mean, he's shooting over 40% from three. He had multiple 20-plus night games. He mm-hmm. led the team in scoring some, some nights. Yeah. Like he, he was not bad. No, certainly not bad. I mean... Better than he had been previously. He yes. even stepped up on the defensive end a little bit. So his time in Milwaukee certainly did him justice. But again, we're, like you said, looking towards the future. And a 28-year-old Bryn Forbes is not a future piece. Not a guy that you're going to keep around for the long run. So, Does that trade give you more hope? Or are you still... Hope in the sense of what? For what? February 10th. May, that I mean, more moves will happen. Yeah. Or are you still looking at it like, I'm not falling for this? It's a little of both. I mean, it's rare for the Spurs to do something mid-season like that. Yes. So I would hope to think that, 
you know, when the deadline comes around that we've got more moves in our back pocket that we're trying to mm-hmm. execute. But also, I know the Spurs, and this could all just be a one and done, and yeah. we don't see another move. We till... did a favor for Bren. Yeah, uh, w- one of our one of our OGs. Mm-hmm. We did him a solid, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, so it could be a smokescreen, and we don't see another move until the late summer, like the Spurs always do. So it's tough to tell with when it comes to reading the Spurs moves, but I really hope that. That's some sort of indication that we're trying to make moves on a almost daily basis up until the the deadline. If I'm if I was in Brian Wright's shoes, I would be on the phone from now until February the tenth. I'm trying to move every movable asset asset I have to acquire as many other assets as I can. John yeah. Dyer says Lionel Walker just bought a house here about a week ago. Real estate's a great he investment. Mm-hmm. It's a great investment. George Hill still has a house here. Mm-hmm. It's Patty, not a bad thing. Patty still has a house here. So, yeah. Tony's got a house here. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people got houses in, in San Antonio because it's cheap. You get a really nice house here. No property tax. Yep. <laughs> Can't blame them. Markets keeps going up. Mm-hmm. It's It's an investment. Yeah. Like I Him don't put a, a ton of stock in this. No, I put no stock in that. It's just a lot of people own houses. Some yeah. people own multiple houses because it's an investment. Yeah. Amari Cooper owns a ton of real estate because he is in real estate investment. Yeah. That's just how it works. He is Jack Thompson. I am James Pledger. You're locked into your hangover without the headaches. This Saturday morning hangover, or maybe there is a headache this morning. I can't tell, Jack. I think I'm a little bit better now. You're better? I'm over the hump at this point. (laughs) When we come back, do you know there's actually, I know the Cowboys are out, but did you know there are actually NFL games being played this weekend? There are some really good ones. (laughs) We'll talk about it next right here on the Saturday morning hangover. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're on the go at com. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by my man Jack Thompson. You can follow us on Twitter. He is at Jack underscore Thompson. I am at I am Pledger. Don't forget, the fight in Texas A&M Aggies hit the court tonight. Right here on San Antonio Sports Star. They are in Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Tip off for that game set for 7.30. It all starts right here at 7 o'clock with the pregame. And, Jack, your Aggies are actually pretty solid Pretty solid this yeah, year. Pretty dang solid. That defense is something else that they run. We yeah. completely choked against Kentucky. We had that game. You had it. We had You that had game. the first half lead. That was That's impressive. Like, where they are compared to where I thought they were, mm-hmm. like, they're far ahead of we where they thought they were. We were picked second to last in the SEC in the beginning of the season. And I thought middle of the pack would be pretty good, but yeah, had a nice Four start to the season. Four and one in the SEC so far. Horn's still struggling to kind of find out who they truly are. Yeah, big time. <laughs> I am extremely disappointed in Trey Mitchell. That dude is not near what I thought he was. Timmy Allen isn't what I thought he was going to be. Yeah, me. Yeah, he's a lot less mobile 
than I really thought he was. He was very mobile at Utah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, he does. For me, I mean. And Texas. We'll, we'll get into this yeah. during the post up. Yeah. We'll talk some college basketball in the post up for because sure. Because that's. That's a conundrum that I wanted to get your your thoughts on. And coming up here in about 14 minutes on the post-up, we will dive in to the Horns, the Aggies, some college hoops, Paulo Banchero. What what the hell is Patrick Baldwin doing? I don't know because he plays at Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, terrible, (laughs) terrible move by him, man. Terrible move. But I don't don't know who he is. I can't see him. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's not great, Mm-mm. but we have a fantastic, fantastic weekend of football. Divisional round is one of my favorite rounds of football. You get so many great games, and it starts today at 3.30. You've got the Tennessee Titans, who a lot of people yesterday, or at least Jason and Joe did, a lot of people seem to believe in the Titans. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> I am not one of those people and I have them on upset alert at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are scorching red hot with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is finally getting involved. Like they've got weapons for dates. And you try you cover one of them, Tyler Boyd, that man is super slept on. Mm-hmm. Super slept on. Would easily be a one or two on any other team in the league. What do you think about this first game today? It looks like it's going to be the Romo game for us. Uh, it's I, it's going to be a good one, man. Especially you got King Henry back to dictate the pace. Joe no Bur- snap count for him. No snap count. You got Joe Burrow, like you said, as hot as literally anyone in the league. But the thing is that Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in the league, the most pressured and the most hit. And he's still as good as he is. Yeah. So it's going to fall on that Bengals line, I feel like. If they can hold up, keep them relatively clean, I've got a ton of faith in the Bengals. I, I, here's the thing. I have a ton of faith in them. They've got Joe Mixon. They invested this past year uh, in the offensive line drafting that Alabama tackle. They have... Joe Burrow, they have Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins, they have all these pieces in place. Do I expect them to get much further than this? Not really. Not this year. Do I expect them to beat a Tennessee team that has also has Ryan Tannehill at quarterback who lost to the Houston Texans? Yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Because this is going to come down to Tennessee's defense. You either stop the Bengals or you can't keep pace with them. Yeah. It's one of the two for them. Yeah. And here's the thing. After you lose, whether it's this game or the next one, Cincinnati, just call the 713 and be like, hey, we got a first-round pick here. Mm-hmm. You didn't play Laramie Tunsil at all last year. Yeah. Just, you, you want to you wanna make something swap. work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Laramie Tunsil is a great tackle on a bad team that is wasted talent at this point. So I'm all in the talent acquisition mode. Like, you can use him now. Mm-hmm. We can use someone to develop. Yes. It's a win-win. The second game today, 7-15 tonight, 
Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, the San Francisco 49ers, coming off their win over the Cowboys. The, these two know each other very well yes. uh, for non-divisional opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, all from that same coaching tree. If you remember LaFleur, Shanahan, McVeigh, they were all a part of Mike Shanahan's staff when he was in Washington back with RG3 and Kirk Cousins and so like this is these are teams that know what the other team wants to do. Both are going to be schematically similar offensively. Mhm. Defensively, you're getting Nick Bosa back, you're getting Warner back, so obviously the 49ers are getting better. Yeah. That was the huge thing for me. If they weren't going to have those two, then I didn't think yeah, it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. But here's the thing. I still think it can be a blowout. Oh, yeah. Mainly because if both coaches know what the other is going to try and do offensively because they run similar things. Mm-hmm. Give me the better quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Rodgers, greater than Jimmy G. <laughs> far, far greater than. And Jimmy G tried to give that game back to Dallas in the first place. He really did. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to. So for me, yeah, this is this is Green Bay, and it's probably by 10, 10 or more. Uh, I just don't think they can keep up. Uh, as great as Debo Samuel is, is... Good as Elijah Mitchell is, I don't think it's enough. And yeah, they're gonna, and they're Aaron Jones, Devontae. even even AJ Dillon coming on at the end of the year. So they've got a, an incredible one-two punch in the backfield. Oh, yeah. You've got Devontae Adams. You've got Aaron Rodgers. I think Bakhtiari may be coming back on that offensive line for for mm-hmm. uh, Aaron. I'm not sure about that, but. But it's just, this is it. This is Aaron. Seems like a whole lot to handle. This is Aaron's chance to go back to the Super Bowl this year, I think. Oh, yeah. For sure. Now, who will Aaron be playing? We'll figure that out Sunday during the 2 o'clock game. And this may be the best one of the weekend. Tom Brady at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good one. That one's real good. And you wonder, what does it boil down to? Because like the Rams beat Tampa earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. That defensive line got after Tom Brady. Tristan Wirfs, we, we think he's going to play, but at the same time, at what capacity? Yeah, he's hurt. How bad is that ankle? If you're doing, dealing with Von Miller and Aaron... Donald and Jalen Ramsey, like this, this is going to be a huge test for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But do you trust Matt Stafford? <laughs> I don't. I would, trust is a is a tough word, but what, I mean, what, what word I, would you like me to who use? Who I do trust are Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham. Those guys I do trust. So Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. I, I what Cam Akers did last week was a feat unlike anything I've ever Five seen. Five months after tearing his Achilles. That is just 
insane. 95 yards from scrimmage five months after tearing your Achilles. That's a career ender. Yeah. Seven years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous that he, he was able like, to do that. You're not the same person after that injury like seven years ago. And he's playing football Man, five months later. It's freaking insane. Who do you like in that one? Honestly, I like the Rams. I get it. I want to. Everything in my body tells me, like, I they're like, just they're better right now. I like the Rams. I mean, you've got no receivers besides Mike Evans mm-hmm. on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Fournette is still a long shot. He has to be activated within the next two hours, something mm-hmm. like that. So if no Fournette, no Godwin, no AB, obviously. Rashad Perriman also got injured last week, so he's not going to play. Still got your Aggie, though. Got Mike Evans, who is probably the most slept-on receiver in the entire NFL. Still got Gronk. Got the big, big Gronk, and you got... Tampa Tom, it's a whole lot for sure, but... No. Tom Brady has more playoff wins since coming to Tampa than the Cowboys have since winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's just... I don't know. The, I just think the Rams Tom Brady some, stats just hit different. They do. They really do hit different. <laughs> but without a healthy Tunsil, and you got... Um, Worfs. Or yeah, worse without a healthy worse, and what we saw Von Miller do last week with Donald up the middle, mm-hmm. you're gonna have Ramsey probably shadowing Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Just seems like if Tom can overcome this, I don't know. Like, I feel like he could beat any team at this point, but if he can overcome that, that's gonna be incredible to watch. I just don't, I just don't, uh, man, it's hard to bet. It's hard to say anything betting against Tom Brady, but I just feel. That's, that's where my, that's where my thing lies yeah. is it's Tom Brady. Yeah. It's Tom Brady at home. Yeah. And I'm going to take Tom Brady at home. I just say, like, I, until I'm proven wrong, I expect him to at least be in a title game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust Matt Stafford. I do trust Tom Brady. That's basically what it boils down to. That's fair. I like the weapons on both sides of the ball a little bit better for the Rams, mm-hmm. but it comes down to the trigger man for me, and I trust Tom Brady. I completely concur with that. Now, another rematch from earlier this season. Buffalo at Kansas City, and the Bills got the win over the Chiefs earlier this season and are probably at least after stomping the Patriots, look about as hot as you can. Mm -hmm. Theirs was impressive. Now, Kansas City also coming off a fairly lopsided win, in which something they haven't done since bouncing back from 24-3 against the Texans. They ran out of fireworks in the stadium they scored so much. Yeah. This is going to be a fun game. Oh, yeah. This one... This is the start. This is the best game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Definitely the best game of the weekend. And it's the start to the NFL's next great um, rivalry. Yes. Josh Allen Josh and Patrick and Pat. Mahomes. Yep. And I'd love to see it. Love to see it. Love me some Josh Allen, man. That guy. Do you like the Bills? I do. I like the Bills. 
until proven otherwise, the AFC runs through Kansas City. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And I am going to take Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and the way that that defense has played over the last half of the season. And I'm going to roll with it. And until they are upset and knocked off, I'm going to go with it. Can't blame you. Just something about this Bills team just feels right to me, man. No, they, I get it. They feel they feel like it's their time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to find out as we get ready for an insane wild card weekend. We thank you for joining us right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover this morning. Don't go anywhere, though. Jack and I are coming right back. We've got all things hoops. We're going to delve into the Spurs, some college hoops, a little bit of the shoe game. It's all coming up on the post-up right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM.